Hello there, our dear listeners. Welcome to the HSK Student Pod. This is Richard, your host from the HSK ATech team. Thank you for joining us on episode 17 of the HSK Student Pod. It's a pleasure to have you as one of our listeners. Before we continue, I just need to say, how are you? How have you been? I hope you are fine despite the ongoing challenges we continue to face. I know it's really very busy for both students and staff. Our prayers and best wishes are with all our students and staff colleagues who have not currently been well. We hope you get better soon. As usual, I don't want to let you down. I have several special guests lined up for you who are going to share wonderful messages with us and I hope you enjoy this episode. First, we have an introduction message from Karen Atkinson, our Associate Dean for Learning and Teaching and Student Experience. Karen is going to give us some genuine news and updates on what's going on in the school. I now hand you over to Karen. Hello everyone, welcome to the spring edition of the HSK Student Podcast. This is Karen, your Associate Dean Learning, Teaching and Student Experience. It's so nice to see the blossom on the trees and the daffodils coming out as the days are starting to get longer again. But it is incredible to think we've been living, studying and working in this way for over a year now. But hopefully things are starting to improve at long last. Schools reopening may have reduced the pressure for those of you who are parents or have younger sisters and brothers at home. Hopefully now they're back at school, it may have reduced the pressure a bit for you. Homeschooling has been a huge challenge, and if you're sharing study spaces and bandwidth, this has put extra pressure on you, so I hope this is improving. Another hope from me is that you're all getting your vaccines done, at least the first dose. I had mine recently, being a relatively ancient person, and although I had a few aches and pains and shivers, they soon went, and all is now fine so nothing to worry about there. As you'll know, universities are soon to be allowed to open up further. Although in our school, most students have had some face-to-face teaching over the COVID period. That's unlike a lot of students in other schools for whom absolutely everything has been online. We know lots of you have continued to go out on placement or in some cases are working on the front line. Thank you for your continued dedication and enthusiasm. I know it's also been disappointing for some of you to not to be able to go out on placement due to the pressures in the clinical setting and placement cancellations. But please bear with us and be reassured that teams will work with our clinical partners to ensure that you reach your required hours and get the experience that you need. If you're third-year students, Please remember to complete the National Student Survey if you haven't had a chance to do this yet. Let us know what's working well and where we can develop. In this month's podcast, you will hear an interview that I did with Chaitanya Pankania, who heads up the University Student Counselling and Mental Health Team. This is quite a long segment, but really worth listening to, as Chaitanya has lots of powerful messages about both self-help and services and counselling you can access if you feel you need help or support. We feel it's really important to improve awareness of mental health and counselling support 
especially for students in our school, as you're on intensive courses and often dealing with stressful situations, both at work and sometimes at home. Jackie Kelly, our Dean of School, also features in this episode. She talks to you about our current circumstances and gives updates on coming onto campus and how the university and school are responding. She has actually met with quite a number of students and student reps over the last period, and she encourages you to take care of yourselves and each other, and to use the resources available to you, such as your personal tutors and the FICA Mental Fitness app. She also covers the NSS, vaccinations, and the student stories presented in previous episodes of the podcast. You will also hear from two of our postgraduate students who are sharing their experience with you about how they're managing to succeed in their studies and clinical placements during all of our lockdown challenges. So without further ado, I'll hand you over to Richard, our host, and I really hope you enjoy the podcast this month, and I look forward to speaking to you again on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you very much, Karen, for that beautiful introduction and for sharing with us the important news plus keeping us up to date on what's going on in the school, especially letting us know about the various support and opportunities that are currently being offered. Thank you, Karen. We do appreciate. Dear HSK Pod listeners, Continuing from the two previous episodes with our theme of sharing positive and success stories during this challenging time, we have seen that behind the suffering and ongoing challenges, there are many success stories and fantastic things that are happening across the school despite the challenges we are facing. For this month's student success stories, we have for our guests, Helen McNeil, a postgraduate student on the MSc Advanced Health Assessment module, and Tanya Jackson, a postgraduate student on the MSc Contemporary Nursing Program in the School of Health and Social Work at the University of Hertfordshire. Helena and Tanya are going to share a brief message with us on how they are managing to succeed in their studies and clinical placement roles despite the ongoing COVID-19 lockdown challenges. I now hand you over to Nicola, who had the opportunity of meeting and interviewing Helena and Tanya. Hi, welcome to the HSK Student Podcast. I'd like to welcome Helen McGinley, who is a postgraduate student on the MSc Advanced Health Assessment Module, and Tanya Jackson, who is a postgraduate student on the MSc Contemporary Nursing Programme in the School of Health and Social Work at the University of Hertfordshire. Welcome both of you to the HSK Student Pod. Hello, thank you very much for having me on the HSK Student Podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Hello, HSK Student Pod. Thank you for inviting me to be here. Excellent. Helen, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? So obviously I'm Scottish, as you can hear by my voice. Never could have guessed. I'm a physiotherapist. I qualified 2003, so I've, I've been around a long time. 
And I have worked uh, in Australia, France, Scotland and England. So I've had a bit of a, a different kind of career so far, but doing physio throughout the whole thing. And I currently work in frailty in Islington. Oh, wow. So you've, had, you've got some good international experience. Yeah. And I think that does, it helps sort of having a bit of a knowledge of different health systems and seeing mm. a kind of overview. Definitely. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it's been good. It's been some challenges, uh, but I managed to learn some French on the way. So all good. <laughs> ah, très bien. So yes. Tanya, <laughs> Tanya, tell us a bit about yourself. I'm Tanya. I'm not as exotic as Helen. I, <laughs> I was born in the UK and I've always worked in the UK. However, I am a thoracic nurse specialist. I work in London at the moment as a band seven, dealing with thoracic surgical patients pre and post surgery. Wow. This is very rare for me. I'm speechless. I'm, I'm so impressed because of the circumstances we're in at the moment. That's quite cutthroat mm. what you're dealing with. So just to make sure the listeners know who I am, I'm Nicola Sylvester. And although we haven't met I'm in the same school as you, the School of Health and Social Work, but I'm a senior lecturer in the social work team. It's great to speak to people within the school, but outside of my team. Tanya, just for the benefit of all of the students within the HSK family, could you tell us in lay people's term what thoracic surgery is? Sure, of course. Um, So that will be an operation on the lungs to remove any mass, any fluid, any air around the lungs, which could be benign or malignant, so not very serious or very serious, to improve their quality of life and hopefully cure them from potentially cancer. And so you could see why I was so impressed, everyone listening. And not that I'm not impressed by a physiotherapist, because let me tell you, having had serious injuries to my Achilles tendon, I think people like Helen are miracle workers now that I can walk. Let's talk a bit more about the topic of COVID-19 and the challenges that's coming with it. For you as students, what do you think has helped you to manage cope with the challenges of, of the lockdown? because the lockdown has had implications for those of us who've got a practical element to our learning. What do you think has been helped or hindered you during this lockdown? I think the lockdown has got positives and negatives, really. I think the positives of lockdown is that, you know, you you can't do as much, so you've got more time to do some studying. I think the things that have helped me sort of get through it is making sure that I keep in touch with friends and family. Never underestimate the power of a, a Zoom session with a beer, sure. <laughs> yeah, distraction is the best way forward, really. And I think, you know, to have a course and to have learning and study on the go has is, is, is been actually really quite helpful to me, just to focus me on something else, not get too dragged into the news all the time. And yeah. I think that's some really practical examples of ways to cope for students listening to this. So thank you for that, Helen. Tanya, what about you? For me, I think that I have found uh, lockdown and the pandemic never ending, which maybe multiple people will feel the same as. And I've tried to get through by just finding new positive things each week to enjoy, whether it's something as simple as making a banana bread or managing to nail the respiratory system. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's two sides of the spectrum. 
but I found having the time to not go out and socialize or be going away has been helpful for my studying. So I had a week of annual leave where I studied nine to five. And that was what helped me get through. Whereas if it wasn't in the lockdown situations, then I probably would have been away at that time and wouldn't have been able to dedicate as much time. But procrastination is the worst thing. So even though you're at home and you think you've got all the time in the world, you don't want to do anything. And I found that the way for me to get through that is just prioritise. <coughs> if I want to study now and I've got the energy to study, then I'll do that. But then if I want to go for a walk and grab a coffee from Fret for no actual reason then I'll do that as well you just got to find the balance and just make sure that you prioritize yourself as well I think that's a really key message um, about listening to your body I guess listening to your inner self when it's ready to do something do it and when it's not take that break go for those walks self-care particularly in the health and social work profession really really important because if you don't look after yourselves it's not really possible to look after others so and don't forget you. the banana bread, Nicola. No, I was about to say, I was about to say, when the lockdown is over, we are in the same school. So do remember me when you are sharing with your colleagues. Me too, I, Tanya. <laughs> I take it you've perfected it by now. So um, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to sample and give positive feedback whenever you're ready to share. So I can see, Tanya, you're currently at work. And Helen, I know that you also have a practical element to your learning. Can you tell us a bit about how you're coping with that aspect of your studies, the, the practical element? Well, I, I mean, I'm working, working from home. So, I mean, as, as a physio, you'd think that was a bit bizarre, but I'm not actually a physio that does MSK. I'm happy to take the credit for your Achilles tendon injury, but <laughs> I work in frailty, so it's much more uh, medical. And I, what I've been doing is actually, I've been redeployed to the COVID monitoring service. So patients that have been discharged from hospital with COVID positive swabs, they've been given a, a pulse ox, which shows the, the heart rate and the oxygen level in the blood. We've been phoning them every day to make sure that they're stable. So to be honest, a lot of the, the stuff that I learned from my course, I was able to put into sort of systems review and doing that over the phone. So although I am a physio by trade, I suppose I like to see myself as a bit more of a holistic clinician I suppose you know that again that's why I want to do the ACP course that's really helpful and I suppose what the key point is there is that the circumstances have meant that we've all had to adapt and you're just explaining how you've managed to continue to support people despite the restrictions Tanya what about you tell us a bit about your situation my underlying role is a nurse wherever you are on the scale you're always a nurse at the end of the day so at the moment, I am going through maybe a bit of a calmer period, touch wood, um, which has allowed me to be able to be here today, thankfully. But otherwise, I am here pretty much every single day working alongside our patients. It's been quite challenging on the wards. There's been times where I've needed to help out, go back to my basic nursing and do ward shifts and take patients and just flex the role to meet the needs of what's going on at the moment. So. I feel that I've been dragged in quite a few different directions, as well as trying to study and pass a course at the same time. And it's been quite challenging because it's took me away from my actual role. So I'm using this time, especially this week, to catch up on policies and developing our service for the year coming up, which is good. But it's 
there's lots of elements that I have to focus on at the same time. So it's been quite a challenge, but mm. we're getting through it. I'm pleased to hear that. What I really wanted to come on to next, how do you get through it? What are the positive things that you can take from this situation and the challenges that you faced? I think it's important to, you know, COVID is a, a negative. It's important to take positive from it. And again, like we've already said, it gives you more time to study and more time to focus. It is a challenging time, but we, you know, we are getting through it. You know, I've done several redeployments during the first and the second wave. So I've been able to be flexible and adapt to the situations. I think talking to others, reaching out to others is really helpful. I live alone and, you know, if I'm working from home, you know, that I'm not seeing people. So it's really, really important for me to get on the Zoom or to get on the phone and make contact with people as well, just to, to have a bit of, of normality and keeping some kind of structure to your day. You know, as Tanya was saying as well, sort of prioritising those things, even if it's a small thing that you want to get done that day, but having some kind of plan, because otherwise the days do seem to sort of merge into one. My partner's been able to work from home the whole time, and that's not necessarily a great thing. I think at the start, I was working for Rapid Response, so at least I was going out and seeing people at the start, which I think is really quite important. I did resent her slightly for not having to go to work, but actually after months and months and months, it, it, it starts to affect your mental health. So working for the NHS, you know, we've still got jobs. So that's a big, big plus. We're able to do a course at the same time as this, you know, which has not been easy for the university, I would say. It's not, you know, it's not been easy for anyone, but it's happened and we've done quite well so far. I mean, those are really good strategies for students listening on this HSK student podcast. Those are helpful practical things that they can do to keep going and you're quite right you know there are lots and lots of things that you have just outlined which are positive and have kept you going and I know from speaking to your lecturers that both of you have actually been achieving really well academically so despite Tanya saying you know the challenges are there and sometimes she's kind of not motivated my understanding is that you've really kept on top of your studies alongside all the other commitments that you've outline today. So firstly, I'd like to salute you on behalf of everyone in HSK. Tell us, Tanya, a little bit about how you've managed to do that, because that is quite remarkable achievement. It is. I'm actually still shocked to this day. So Um, I'm not a honours student I'm not a straight A student I didn't fail through university on my BSc at all I struggled every single year through it just because academic writing for example isn't my strong point however practical assessment is clearly and I really think that I found my niche with it so for me it's quite a surprise that I struggled through, but I thought I was struggling through this, but I actually managed to do quite well, which is quite a big statement in my kind of studying career. The thing for me getting through this was it was a personal choice to do this course for career development. So I'm a nurse specialist now, and my next steps will be going on to do my non-medical prescribing course and transition into a nurse practitioner role. So for me, doing this was important. Now, 
the whole pandemic has already stopped me from seeing friends, family, traveling, socializing, having a life outside of work. I, you know, I was doing 60 hours a week starting from March last year. So being able to do something that actually meant a lot to me that COVID couldn't affect was amazing. So, you know, the course was able to run. It couldn't take away my ambition or my determination. It couldn't affect any of that. It can affect a lot of things around me, but it can't affect me on the inside. So that's one thing that really helped me. And I just reached out to people. It's, it's all about talking to people and sharing things. And I essentially went around and told everybody, I'm doing this course. I need to pass. We need to get me through it. And I made myself accountable to that because then everybody will ask you, how's your course going? What are you doing? So if I hadn't done anything, then I'm like, oh, I haven't done much. So it made me more accountable and responsible. And it would prompt me to do things. If they said, have you assessed a patient today? I'm like, oh, no, I haven't. I've been busy because I was running around after Mr. X. Then it would prompt me to go and do something course related. Or I found like carrying my stethoscope around at work. If someone said, that they've got abdo pain, even if I knew it was just constipation due to opioids, for example, I would still do a full abdo examination on them. They were getting the full works for me because <laughs> I needed it. Um, <laughs> all for them, but they all got abdo uh, <laughs> exams. Um, I think what, what I'm hearing from you both really strongly is the need to kind of use the time that you would have been using to socialize and do all the things that we did in the old normal you've used that time to professionally develop and to learn not only about new kind of aspects of your particular professional interest but about yourselves as learners and how you can take something positive out of a difficult situation and I think those are really helpful tips for students listening today on the HSK student podcast they will understand how even with the challenges of multiple commitments, you can use the time effectively. And and these are the type of people we need in our NHS. So thank you very much. The kind of grit and resilience that you've talked about today, your skills of adaptability, your commitment. It's the reason the nation stood up every Thursday and applauded. So on behalf of the university and of the School of Health and Social Work, Thank you very much for being on the front line, whether that's rapid response, Helen, or, you know, going back to your previous nursing ward practice, Tanya. You know, for me, it's been amazing to hear your stories. Thank you very much for sharing with me today on the HSK Student Podcast. So, Helen, have you got any final message that you would want to share or impart to our students listening today? I do, yes. So I would say, fellow students, you've got this, okay? COVID is a definite negative, but we've got to create a positive out of it. Do the reading, ask questions, but firstly, believe in yourselves because you're already doing an absolutely wonderful job. So well done. I hope they take that and run with it. Final message to our students listening on the HSK Student Podcast from Helen McGinley. You've got this. Thank you very much, Nicola, for having me on the HSK Student Podcast. It was lovely to talk to you. I'm really, really honoured to have been a part of it. Thank you very much as well for listening to all of you on the HSK Student Pod. I just really hope that this helps inspire you to go forward and just believe that you can do it no matter what. Just rise above the challenge. If I can do it, you can do it. I think that's a brilliant way to end this 
discussion. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. That is excellent, Helena and Tanya. What an empowering message you have given to the HSK Student Pod listeners. It's a great and beautiful message. Helena and Tanya, adding on to what Nicola said, I definitely do agree with her, and I'm sure our listeners do. You are both great ambassadors for the health and social care profession, including being great ambassadors for the school. We have never had any postgraduate student guests on this podcast. I am very sure our listeners will enjoy listening to your message, especially during this challenging time. Your words of encouragement are going to inspire our student listeners, especially the undergraduate students who are working so hard to join the health and social care profession. Nicola, thank you for the excellent interview you have given to our listeners. You have indeed managed to get a perfect message from our two special guests. Your team has indeed given us a great message. Thank you, Nicola. We always appreciate the help from our interviewers. I cannot thank you enough, ladies, especially being able to fix some time to record this podcast, despite all your busy commitments. Not to forget, I wish to thank our senior lecturer, Maleka, for recommending and encouraging our two student guests to take part in the HSK Student Pod. Definitely, your students did not disappoint you. This is a special request to all other HSK lecturers out there. Please, keep encouraging your students to come and take part in the HSK Student Pod. We would love to hear those inspiration messages and the many wonderful things that are happening across the school. The University of Hertfordshire offers a range of students' well-being advice and support services to its students. For this month's professional spotlight, we have our guest, Chaitanya, the head of UH Students' Counseling Services and Mental Health Team. Her team is part of the UH Students' Wellbeing Team. Chaitanya is going to share a brief message with us to help raise awareness of the various mental health advice and counselling support services available to UH students. I now hand you over to Karen, who had the opportunity of meeting and interviewing Chaitanya. Hello, it's Karen back again, and I'm here with Chaitanya Pankania, who is the head of our University of Hertfordshire student counselling and mental health team within student wellbeing. Um, hi Chaitanya. Hi, thank you so much for having me. That's okay, nice to see you. Can I just ask you first of all to just introduce yourself and to say something about your role and give a brief overview of the services and the team? Yeah, certainly. I'm the interim head for student wellbeing for counselling and mental health. At Student Wellbeing, we have a variety of support for students. Within Student Wellbeing sits, like I said, Counselling Mental Health. And then also the other section of Student Wellbeing is Disability Services, which is headed up by my colleague. 
within counselling and mental health service, we have a range of therapists, mental health advisors, and then within the disability team, we have disability advisors, and then an attached programme for mentoring. We're all obviously working online and from home at the moment, but um, we used to be situated at Hutton Hub. We still are situated at Hutton Hub. In a nutshell, that's us. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, we heard from the disability team on one of the earlier podcasts, so that, that was great. Generally, do you see or have contact with quite a lot of students from health and social work? Yes, most certainly. Yes, we do. (laughs) Is there a pattern to the type of queries you get or the support you provide for HSK students? Yes, Karen, there is. I think, you know, we definitely do see a pattern with students coming from HSK courses, most definitely. One thing that I can say that we see a lot of is because courses, programs within the HSK are predominantly caring professions. So what that means is it naturally attracts people who are giving (laughs) in nature. And often what we see with people who are often giving in nature, very kind of nurturing, very thoughtful about other people, is that they tend to not actually be very good at attending to their own needs. When you enter into a caring profession and you're not aware of your own psychological needs, your own emotional needs, and you don't attend to those you know, very, very basic, very important self-care strategies, then it can end up that often students, because the, the courses can be demanding, obviously you're learning so many new things, you're being put into placements, environments where you're being really observed and requested to do things that are outside of your comfort zone alongside with you know the lack of ability to kind of care and nurture your own needs then often we find that students struggle yeah students struggle with being able to take care of themselves alongside meeting the demands of the course and so it kind of comes from inherent nature of some of the students in HSK programs and um, the other thing that we notice is being able to learn sort of professional boundaries and also knowing where their own limits are. Sometimes students from HSK don't know where their own limits are in the sense that they want to do well in their program. They want to be able to become the professional that they see themselves at the end of their program. But like I said, if they don't pace themselves and take care of their own needs, then that can cause a problem in the sense of overworking, not being able to meet the demands of the course. And not understanding those professional boundaries, not understanding their professional limits. So given those issues, what can HSK students do perhaps themselves to help their mental well-being? Yeah, this is really important. It's really learning how to take care of one's own needs, own psychological concerns, really attending to that first, because you may have a very good intention of wanting to be, you know, a paramedic or be a nurse because you want to naturally help other people. But if you don't look after yourself, then you're no good to anybody else, you know. And I know this being a psychotherapist myself, that if I don't look after myself, then I can't best serve other people 
So it really first starts with attending to your own needs and attending to your own mental well-being. And when you have that strong foundation, then you can build on that and then you can be a stronger version of yourself professionally in your work, giving to others because you know how it, what it means to take care of yourself. And also in the long run, you'll be able to withstand the challenges that come in working in the demanding environments that you will be working in. So the first thing really is looking after your own well-being and knowing what other things that help your well-being. You know, if it is like painting or journaling or going for a walk or, you know, talking, having a good catch up with your friend every week. All those things that nourish you are extremely important to kind of watering your own soil and taking care of your own needs so that you can be strong. Actually, and the other thing, Karen, that I was thinking of, which I didn't mention, another pattern that we see is that students often come with their own mental health challenges into caring professions because, you know, often we're attracted to what we've experienced in life. So we get inspired through our own struggles to help other people with those challenges. So sometimes, like we often see on mental health nursing programs, some of the students have their own mental health issues. And often that is what propels them and inspires them to then want to help other people in the mental health profession, which is great. You know, that is fantastic. And we can all turn our challenges and struggles into giving to other people and helping other people. But we cannot do that if we don't help ourselves first, you know, because then our own internal challenges and blocks will then become external hurdles that we then have to face. So really like I said, coming back to yourself and looking at what is it that I may be struggling with? How can I help myself? What are the things that really help me to become a stronger version of myself so that I can give more in my profession, in my career, in my future aspirations? Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. And I think that's that's really important. And I'd just like to take the opportunity to once again, remind the students that we've invested in the FICA mental wellness or mental fitness app as one of the things that students might be able to access to help them do that sort of looking after themselves that you've just been talking about. And so obviously in relation to some of the services that you mentioned before, and then thinking about helping students to develop these sort of self-help strategies, perhaps we might call them. What sort of approaches are used to counselling and mentoring that might help the students to develop those abilities? I can start with briefly about the mentoring service, although this is on the disability side of student wellbeing. Mentors within student wellbeing, they can assist and help students that may have learning difficulties, autism, Asperger's, to help schedule their work, learning study skills, learning practical-based study support. So there's that. The mental health advisors are able to really help and support students with learning sort of skills, how to manage your mood, looking at one's well-being goals, you know, strategies, like having a good sleep hygiene having a good routine, learning how to have a routine, you know, learning how to have a schedule. And so all the kind of practical things 
that support one's mental health are very, very important. And learning those skills are extremely important to sustaining in the long run. And so some of those skills are sort of taught to students. And then we have the therapists, the psychotherapists, the counsellors that are within the team. You know, there it's actually looking at perhaps the more subconscious, deep-rooted issues that may be causing whatever mental health concerns that a student may have. And so whether that is addressing something that is in one's childhood or something that is more of an internal block, looking at one's negative thoughts, how we can change that. Looking at one's self-perception, you know, it may be that somebody's grown up, perhaps they've experienced things in life where they've, where they've really been told or felt like they're not important enough or they're not good enough or you know they're not intelligent enough maybe they've experienced it at school they've experienced it with their teachers telling them they're not intelligent enough or they've received bullying by other kids at school whatever it may be and then so within therapy that's somewhere where you can kind of break that down and look at that okay how did that impact me you know how is that developed into an internal critical voice that I now have that then blocks me from being the best version of myself. It blocks me from engaging with my supervisors or it blocks me from engaging in my work and I don't feel like I'm good enough to attain X, Y, Z grade or attain a certain end result. And so some of those things in therapy can be addressed. And then also looking at coping strategies like building on one's strengths, learning mindfulness techniques, learning how to ground oneself, learning how to cope with anxiety, low moods. So it's within therapy, it's looking at how we can up the strength and cope, the coping strategies. And it's also addressing some of those internal blocks that have been created from the past that we may not really be aware of. It's a very self-reflective self-development and it can be powerful in helping somebody overcome their hurdles yeah that's absolutely fascinating thank you and I think some really powerful things coming out of that and I'm sure that some students might recognize some of those things as you were going through them in HSK we have many students from different cultural backgrounds, including a gradually growing number of international students. And some of these students may be having mental health or well-being issues. How can counselling and mental health support be useful for these students? Yeah, it's a very important topic and it's something that really needs to be made more aware of. Because the cultural differences, you know, for students coming from a different country, coming onto a taught program that's UK based is obviously, you know, very different for them, first of all. And then the differences in handling the perception, I think, of mental health in different cultures, especially the BAME background students. I'm South Asian myself. And so I come from a family and an upbringing and a community that, you know, never used to really talk about mental health it wasn't really something that's considered and it's not only BAME community you know there are other communities 
also Caucasian white families that also don't accept mental health. So it's not only specific to BAME, but we do see predominance in the BAME community that mental health is not considered. It's not even a thing that's spoken about. But the way that we can kind of break this down, and if there are HSK students listening to this, then hopefully they can kind of take this on in their mind frame when they're approaching looking after themselves and their professionalism is that, look, everybody has a mind, right? We all have a mind, don't we? We all have a body, we all have a mind. And so where there is the mind, yeah, there can be problems, just like we have a body and sometimes the body gets sick, right? We sometimes cut our finger, we sometimes stub our toe, (laughs) you know, we get a cold. And so the body needs to be attended to when it gets a disease or when it gets ill. So in the same way, our mind also can sometimes have blocks, psychological blocks, psychological wounds, just like the body does. So I'm kind of saying this to educate those students that might be listening to this, that if you are from a culture that doesn't really acknowledge mental health issues or psychological problems, then really see it in this way, that everybody has a mind and sometimes we go through things in life that make our mindsets more negative. We experience things that cause psychological wounds. Like I just mentioned, if we go through bullying or if we go through any form of abuse or neglect growing up, that causes a psychological wound. And so there's a block there. There's a mental block there which can cause problems for you currently and in the future. So it needs to be addressed just like the body needs to be addressed. If you get a cut on your finger, you put a plaster on it, right? You allow the wound to heal. So in the same way, That's what we do in therapy and that's what we do with mental health support is that where there are mental challenges and blocks, we attend to that. We look at coping strategies. Okay, how can we put a plaster over that? How can we heal that? What can you do to develop yourself so that you can change that negative way of thinking so that you feel happier and you're more positive and you're more able to do the things that you want to do? And so, you know, I think really it comes with re-educating students from that background and know that, okay, perhaps your parents and your community and your culture doesn't really see it in that way. But, you know, if you are going through a particular psychological problem, it's important just to stop, take a notice of that and recognize that, yeah, maybe there is just something that I'm internally struggling with, but know that it can change. Know that you can always overcome and, and, and change what your struggles are. Just like how the body heals, the mind also heals as well. That's really good. Thank you. And I think that makes it really clear, that sort of analogy between the physical body and the mind. And so hopefully that will help students to think through how your service or how some self-help might help them to perform better if they've got what you've characterised as wounds that need to be attended to and, and healed. So that's really, really helpful. Yeah, we're all human, you know. We all have challenges and It's kind of breaking those cultural restrictions so that certain students from certain cultures don't feel like they have to have it all together. They have to know what they're doing all the time. And and it's, it's demanding coming to a new country anyway, you know. So it's just acknowledging those stresses and strains that you may have, whatever cultural background you're from, and reach out for the support. Absolutely. And I think it is that I know it's something that's said a lot, but it is that thing about not suffering in silence and remembering Mm -hmm. that all students do have a personal tutor they can talk to 
who can yeah. refer them on to your services or they can come directly to you. Exactly. So, yeah, so that's, that's really great. We're not going to be able to finish this segment without talking about COVID briefly. I just wonder if you could say a little bit about how things have been over the COVID period. And I mean, obviously, it's still ongoing at the moment. Has it changed the inquiries or the support that students have been asking for? Has it been different? Has it increased? And just just a little bit of background on, on whether COVID has changed things. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's been transformational for everybody, hasn't it? And and our service as well. We quickly moved to working online literally within that week. And, you know, we were quite amazed actually how quickly we all adapted really to working online. And we're very fortunate that we were able to provide mental health and counselling support online. We noticed that in the beginning, many students didn't want online counselling, didn't want face-to-face counselling. The struggle that we find is that some students don't have a confidential space at home. And so, you know, we were trying to be creative to helping students to find confidential spaces. You know, we've had to be creative. So that's been different. You know, that's been a bit of a challenge. But then on the other hand, we've had students that actually wouldn't necessarily come for a face-to-face appointment. But now because it's online, they're more inclined to because students may suffer with social anxiety let's say for example that would prevent them from leaving their rooms and now they can have therapy from where they are so in those hard to reach students we've been able to reach in that way it's been a challenge in terms of what's been coming through I think we've had different responses I think some students within the global pandemic have sort of seen that their original issues are perhaps not as bad as they thought they were which can be argued whether that's true or not but at least in their perception so they've decided actually I don't really need it anymore then there are some students where obviously COVID has impacted them more and then there are some students that would have accessed counselling and therapy or mental health support whether COVID was present or not I think the difficulty that we're all facing is the lack of control over the impact of COVID. We can't control the government. We can't control the restrictions that are being given. We can't control the lockdowns. We can't control COVID itself, the spread. And so there are some things that have been taken out of our control. But what I, when I work with students, when I work in my therapy sessions, I talk about what they do have control over and there are things that we do have control over what you do every day you know what you want to focus on how you want to schedule your day how you stay healthy how you exercise there are things that we can control even though there's a lot that has been taken out of our control and so it's very very important for mental health you know maintaining one's mental health at the moment is really just focusing on what you do have control over and focusing on that so that's a little bit about covid And in regards to the way we are working during COVID, at the beginning, we took some extra training on how to provide therapy and counselling over the internet. And we've all been using online. We found that, okay, it's different to -to face-to-face. Obviously, face-to-face, we get to see somebody. It's a whole different thing when someone's present in front of you, isn't it? So we've lost that. But we still, I think that we're providing good and effective therapy online and mental health support over the phone and online. So 
not all is lost. We have been able to do effective work as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think everybody just had to change so quickly, didn't they? And um, yeah, yeah, and it's really good to hear that you've still been able to provide those services and the fact that some students who wouldn't necessarily come for support have come forward. And I suppose, you know, thinking as we go forward, we might keep some of these online things, you know, may not... Yeah, may not revert back to exactly how we were before it all began. It's opened Um, up a possibility, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as you say, if students find it difficult, that sort of social anxiety, as you were mentioning, yeah, it does make the services more accessible to them, doesn't it? Mm. there are usually some resources linked to different services and I just just wonder if you talk a bit about the resources available for students to access in relation to counselling support. Yeah sure and well I can talk about counselling and mental health advisors that's sort of under my remit what I manage and we have so if students are struggling with their studies specifically they're really behind, they feel like they're failing or they're not able to talk to their tutors or lecturers for whatever reason, and they're struggling specifically with their mental health or even physical health, then we do have what we call a support to study process. And that support to study process is done with an advisor supporting a student by doing periodic reviews and setting goals Within that package of support could be counselling, it could be mentoring, it could be looking at strategies and a mental health advisor or a disability advisor may sort of run that. It might be also joint with the programme, so a tutor or a lecturer or even the housing team if there's housing related issues. And that package of support is really there for students that are, again, struggling academically due to their well-being. And we found that students really benefit from that, those students that are very, very struggling, and they're able to sort of get back on track with certain things. So that's something that we do is support study process. And again, it's also if students go on resting, let's say they take the rest of the year off because of their well-being, then we do a return study process as well. So we kind of help prepare them to return and look at their needs and look at what their support package could be going forward. Um, We have SNAs for students that may have a diagnosis, which is looking at any adjustments that they may require for their course. Within the counselling service, we have a variety of counsellors and therapeutic approaches. So I specifically do hypnotherapy. I work with EMDR, which is trauma-based therapy. We have therapists that work with art, art materials. We have therapists that work with existential issues and integrative, short-term, solution-focused way of working as well. Then we also have, actually, this is a newer service that we're sort of working with the GP on the NHS with, which is a GP plus service. So if somebody needs mental health support and they need to also be referred to their GP, then there's a mental health nurse that the NHS have sort of added on to the GP service so there's that service there we liaise with the NHS as well we have a student liaison within the NHS that we meet monthly so any referrals that go to secondary mental health care we're always keeping a track of those students through that student liaison work within the NHS 
And um, we do a lot of joint working within the team, counselling and mental health and disability advisors. If somebody comes for counselling support and we recognise that actually they really, really need some study-based skills support first, or they're stated that they're completely failing their course, then we will try and get them engaged in with the mental health advisor to really nip any study-related academic issues in the bud quickly. So that's the kind of, yeah, internal joint working work that we do. Um, Obviously, there's also Student Space, which is run by Student Minds, which is for any university student, which is studentspace.org.uk. And that is a free, completely free online counselling and mental health support service. So it's tech support, web support, email support, all online that you can access for free as well. Brilliant. I mean, there's so much there for students. Isn't there? <laughs> it's really great um, to be able to share that because I think, you know, sometimes what's on the website doesn't give the really full idea of, of what's available and, and how helpful it can be yeah. for the students. So I'd like to thank you hugely, really, for coming on and giving us all of this information and talking about the sorts of things that you can do to help students. And I just wonder if there's any final points you'd like to make or anything you think we've missed. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for speaking with me. And I'm, I'm happy to give all these this information. And I, you know, we could talk more for ages, couldn't we, about so many different things. But I think I've given a good snapshot of our service. I think the last thing that I'll probably say to students listening is that, you know, the most important thing is yourself. You may be on a program that's demanding. You may be on a program that's requiring, well, you will be on a program that's requiring you to be there for other people. And you cannot be there for other people if you do not look after yourself. So put yourself first, get your own needs met, take care of your own well-being. Your health is the primary because without your health, which is physical and mental, you can't do anything. (laughs) You can't do anything for others. So that's the main thing that I'll say. Whatever makes you stronger, do that. Thank you very much. I think that's a really strong message to finish on. And so thank you again. That's been really great. And uh, I'm sure you'll be contacted by lots of our students. So thank you, Chaitanya. Thank you so much. No problem at all. Yeah, like, yeah, we're here, Student Wellbeing do put that into ask hearts if you want to self-refer you just self-refer by clicking the link and filling out the intake forms yeah thank you so much thank you Chaitanya Chaitanya and Karen. Beautiful, beautiful. What a great message you have given us. Chaitanya, you have really educated us and improved our awareness of some of the key mental health well-being issues, a topic that many of us don't really often talk or reflect about. I'm sure everyone who has been listening or who will listen to your message will start nodding their head, acknowledging the importance of your message. Thank you, Chaitanya. 
for coming to speak to us, especially during this challenging time where we are isolated from each other. I'm sure our student listeners will start to make use of the mental health and counseling services, including other well-being support that is available in the university. Karen, we cannot thank you enough for your continuous efforts of bringing us these great guests. We do appreciate and on behalf of all the HSK pod listeners, I thank you for the great interview you have given us in this episode. Thank you, Karen. Dear HSK pod listeners, including all the other University of Hertfordshire students, as Chaitanya has explained to us, I hope you are now more aware of what the students' counselling services and mental health team can do for you during your time here at the University of Hertfordshire. I also hope you now know how you can get in touch with them. Please, even if you have issues you think the students' counselling services and mental health team cannot deal with, do not hesitate to contact them. If they feel they cannot help you, I'm sure they will be able to signpost you to someone who can. But please, do not suffer in silence. Dear HSK Pod listeners, as I said at the start of this podcast that I have several special guests lined up for you, I am glad to say I have a very important guest for you next who is going to share a message with us. The Dean of School, Jackie Kelly, is our next guest. I now will hand you over to Jackie. Hello, Richard. Thank you very much. It is lovely to be joining you for episode 17 of the HSK pod. I appreciate that as our listeners join this episode, Many of our students will have recently completed perhaps their theoretical pieces of work or be working on future submissions. And a number of you will be either out on placement, returning from placements, or waiting to go in due course. Whatever you're engaged in at the moment, I hope you're doing well and are reaching out for all of the support available to you. It's been really great for me to have the opportunity to meet with a number of our student cohorts across different programmes in the past few weeks as well as meeting with all of our student representatives across the school. And just while I mention student reps, just to note that I'd really like to recognise and acknowledge all the hard work that they do in representing the student voice. Your programme teams, all of your tutors, practice educators, and indeed all of our colleagues really value the feedback from our students. The student voice is really important and our student representatives demonstrate a real commitment to us and to their fellow students in being prepared to step forward and to take on these roles. Being a student representative is a great way to represent the voice of the students, but it's also a fantastic opportunity for self-development, and I know many past student reps um, have reflected that too. So I thank all of those representatives who have stepped forward and volunteered, and to those who have stepped forward to undertake other programme or school roles perhaps, um, including our student community officers, our SCOs, and also our BAME advocates. It's not only enriching for school, but also really essential to our ongoing activity. So thank you so much. There are, of course, many ways that you can provide feedback to us, not just through your student reps, etc. And for our final year students, you will have been offered the opportunity to complete the National Student Survey uh, that's open at the moment, providing feedback on what your experience has been like 
throughout your years of study with the university, reflecting on your experience across your time in studying your programmes. I've written to final year students recently and we shared information about your programmes, the differences that you have brought and previous students have brought, highlighting some of those changes and developments that have been made over your time with us. We look forward to hearing about your experience and while we will of course continue to support you all as you continue your studies with us to the end of the academic year. As I said, the National Student Survey is really just only one opportunity for us to hear about your experience. So don't wait for the National Student Survey. For all of our students, please do continue to use every opportunity that you can to feed back to us, to tell us about both your challenges, but also those things that are working well in supporting your studies. We really do want to continue to improve things where we can, to explain circumstances perhaps where difficulties arise. And indeed, we know this year has been an exceptional year with differences, changes and challenges. But we also want to continue to work in partnership with you throughout your studies, no matter what happens along the journey. I had the pleasure of speaking to you on the HSK pod just before the Christmas break. And I mentioned the importance of ensuring that you look after yourselves. As a society, as we continue to deal with the global pandemic and COVID-19, all of its wide reaching impact on us all, we recognise that it still is quite an intense time for everybody. It was wonderful to hear the government's recent roadmap to bring us out of lockdown and to continue to move forward to open up society. And many of you and the colleagues you've been working with in your placement settings have continued to make a significant contribution to the care of patients and service users, either with COVID-19 or other health and social care issues. Some maybe are supporting vaccine rollout, perhaps in volunteering roles as well. So there's really been a broad range of amazing work. And as we come out of lockdown in the coming weeks, and we move forward along that roadmap, it's really fantastic to know that we are all learning and managing to support one another and support our learning in new ways of working, new ways of doing things, living our lives, keeping everybody safe. And in our health and social work context, it's been a real opportunity to showcase our professions and the real difference that all of you and all of the professionals in our group make to society. As I said, I've met with a number of student groups in the past few weeks and heard lots of examples of the innovation within our clinical practice areas. I've spoken to our practice educators and practice assessors, and they've shared some of their reflections too on the contribution that all of you, our listeners, as our students, are and have been making in these environments, adopting a creative and professional approach to your learning. So I just really wanted to take some time to acknowledge that and to let you know that we are hearing that message back from our practice partners. A couple of weeks ago, I met with a group of nursing students and we spoke about some of the challenges that they were facing, particularly in relation to practice placements or in managing studies in the home environment, in balancing work, study and home life. And they were also sharing ideas and coping strategies. So it's really great to hear colleagues and students highlighting just how creative everyone in our student community has been. So please do continue to exchange ideas and strategies with one another. We're always better working together and we can continue to learn from one another. At that meeting, we also spoke about the future and the place that all of you as emerging professionals will continue to have in your respective professional areas, your place in that future health and social care workforce. 
and we discuss the skills and expertise that you will bring, having overcome the enormous challenges in these very changed circumstances over the past year, you will bring really a unique insight that will be so valuable to our services. Many of the questions I've also had from students recently have related to when we'll be back on campus. And of course, we all look forward to when we can be together more frequently, face to face and in person. And just for your assurance, the university and the school continue to work hard to support you, ensuring that everything we do is aligned with the government guidelines, but in the best interests of the quality and delivery of your programme. Many of you have been on campus with undertaking perhaps mandatory training or essential skills, and we will continue to develop our working practices to ensure that your learning is the best that it can be, whatever the circumstances. We're being proactive in preparing for the future weeks and months to come, and we look forward to seeing more of you as things ease and we will communicate, of course, any changes by your programme tutors in the first instance. So as we continue to manage things differently, I'd re-emphasise my earlier message about taking care of yourself. And I do hope that you continue to reach out to your programme teams, and particularly I would encourage you to reach out to your personal tutors. Each of you will have a personal tutor aligned to your programme of study, and your personal tutor is there for you not only for those concerns or questions in relation to your academic studies, but also to support you with the other concerns or anxieties you might have. They can provide information, but also signpost you to services and resources, for example, the wellbeing and other services across the university. And Richard, I know that you mentioned on our HSK pod the FICA app in the last episode. And I would reiterate your message and encourage all of our students to engage with the FICA app and any of the other supportive tools that are available to optimise well-being for all of us as we continue to deal with our individual situations in these different times. I also wanted to reassure you that in terms of our face-to-face delivery on campus, we continue to invest in your campus to support your learning. So we have developed new specialist environments on College Lane, invested in further equipment, for example, in Meridian House, and developed additional lab capacities, updating our equipment and our environment to optimise health and safety measures in light of COVID, but also to enable us to continue a really good programme delivery for you. So hopefully it won't be long before we see you more often on campus. As Dean of the School, I mentioned I do meet regularly with some of our employers and colleagues such as our directors or heads of service locally and other professional groups. And I wanted to share the messages that is coming from many of them, which consistently recognises and extends a huge thanks to health and social care students for how you've adapted to the changing environment, both in being proactive in your theoretical studies, but also in being flexible and adaptive, working in partnership with the university and with your programme team. And one example is our third year BSc nursing students who are currently on deployed placements that they undertook at very short notice. So I'd like to thank the teams who've worked hard to support the changes. And irrespective of the nature of your current activity or whatever stage of the programme you're at, I'd also like to thank you for the professional way in which all of our students have and continue to engage with your studies. For the feedback that I mentioned earlier that's so important to us that you have provided and for the way you've continued to work in partnership. I would remind you again that everything we do is about you, our students, and your student experience. And we all strive for this to be the best that it can be, even in these difficult times. It was great, Richard, to listen to the last episode of the HSK pod 
and hear from our two graduates who spoke about their experiences and success. So it's lovely to see those colleagues who've got over the line and moved on from the university, completing their studies. They both provided different perspectives and and different tips and, and advice of how to support yourself and others to successfully complete your studies. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the last episode of the HSK pod, um, it might be good to do so, particularly if you're thinking about how you can manage to get through the next few weeks and months if you're coming towards the end of your studies. So thank you again, Richard, to you and others for the opportunity to join HSK pod. It's been really nice to have an opportunity to speak to our students directly. And I look forward to meeting many of you in different forums in the weeks and months to come. No doubt there are absolutely exciting times ahead. We all look forward to the steady opening up of society, seeing more of our friends, family and colleagues in the months ahead. I have no doubt we are a realistic bunch in health and social care, and we know that there will be bumps in the road for all of us, whether that's in our professional lives, our studies or our personal lives. As a student body, you have continued to be really adaptable, demonstrated great personal resilience, and all of this experience, as I said earlier, will be such an asset as future graduates and moving on in your future roles. One other issue I wanted to speak to you about has come up in my discussions with leaders in the health and social care environments in recent weeks. So as a final matter, just to say about the uptake of the vaccination programme. We discussed this in my recent meeting with the student representatives actually across the school and I reiterate what I mentioned to the reps. As you know, This is a personal choice. We cannot and would not mandate anyone to take up the vaccination, but I would strongly encourage all of you to do so. Where you have questions, concerns, or perhaps uncertainty, do reach out for information. Programme teams have forwarded a lot of information to you about the vaccination programme, and there is still more information available from the wider university. Information available too through your placement areas or from our wider professional networks. For example, the Council of Deans for Health, which is a group that represents all universities, have provided a repository of all sorts of information on their website that you can tap into. This will help perhaps address your questions, allay any concerns, and ensure that you have access to -to up-to-date and accurate information to support you in making a personal and informed decision. In recent weeks, we all heard the good news about the vaccinations not only protecting individuals, but also having a role in preventing the transmission of COVID-19 to others. Thus, we will be protecting ourselves, our friends and our families, as well as our patients and service users. So please do make the time to find out more about the vaccinations and ensure that you do make that fully informed decision, whatever you decide. I look forward to listening to the exciting content on episode 17 of the HSK pod. And thank you so much, Richard, for giving me some time to speak to our students. Goodbye for now. Thank you very much, Jackie, for the important message you have shared with us today. I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed listening to you. We value the time you have taken to come and speak to the HSK pod listeners. It's always a pleasure to have our Dean of School as a guest on the HSK Student Pod. Thank you, Jackie, for joining us today. 
We look forward to having you back in future episodes. Thank you, Jackie. I wish to thank our guests, Tanya, Helen, Chaitanya, Jackie, and Karen for the good messages they have shared with us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on the HSK Student Pod. Also need to thank all other Anonymous staff members who have made this episode to be a success. Thank you for all your support and creative ideas. Please, if you have not yet done so, do not forget to sign up to the HSK Student Podcast so that you can receive new episodes automatically. This can be done by either downloading and installing the SoundCloud app, which is a free app which will give you easy access to the podcast episodes. Those who have iPhones can also get access to the podcast through the iTunes download list. Also need to encourage you to remind five friends of yours to listen to this podcast episode. By doing this, you are doing your part to help build the HSK staff student community. Please, do get in touch if you've got an idea or a message you'd want to share with our listeners. Nothing is too small to be shared. Just send an email to richard on r.matovo2 at hearts.ac.uk That is r for richard, dot, m for mother, a for apple, t for thomas, o for office, V for Victor, U for Umbrella, then you write a number 2, then followed by this is the usual at hearts.ac.uk. We are always delighted to hear from our listeners. Dear listeners, before we end our podcast, just in case you have not yet done so, Please look out for the news and information related to the FICA Mental Fitness app short questionnaire. Please, spare about 5 minutes of your time and complete the FICA app questionnaire. Just in case you have never used the FICA app, you are encouraged to install this app on your phone and make use of the wonderful well-being activities and resources it has on offer. As an HSK student, you have actually access to the premium version already paid for by the school. For more details on how to access and install the FICA Mental Fitness app, visit the school site under the news section and also this information should be available on your program sites and on some module sites. You will also be able to see on these sites the monthly FICA news that is sent out including the link to the FICA app questionnaire. Alternatively, you can also check your email messages for this information. This is because when announcements are sent out, the system also sends you a copy to your email messages. I know there are many of you who are still on your old placements and some of you are just starting your new placements. I wish you good luck on your placements. Also wish you good luck in your current or future assignments. Adding on to what Jackie, Chaitanya and Karen have said during this podcast, you are encouraged to make the most of the resources and support you are being offered here in the school and in the wider university. If you need to speak to someone, please 
Do not sit in silence. There are always people willing to listen to your needs. Do get in touch with your personal tutors or any staff you find it easier to speak to. Please, do always remember to check your emails and look out for those announcements that are often sent to you. They do always contain important messages. Lastly, I just need to say, please look after yourselves and your loved ones. Stay positive and find some time for relaxing, doing those things that you enjoy doing in a safe environment. I hope everything you do during this month goes well for you. Bye-bye from Richard, your host, and join us in our next HSK Student Pod, which will have something fresh and new to listen to. Music